Welcome to Real Christianity, a weekly show designed to help Christians know their Bible, defend their faith, and truly understand what it means to follow Jesus. The premise is simple. The culture is getting louder. The church is getting flashier, but few pastors are teaching on how to live a biblical life. My name is Dale Partridge, along with my incredible wife, Veronica. Join us as we start an important conversation about what it really means to be a Christian. Welcome to Real Christianity. Today we are talking about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. I know that's probably not super exciting in comparison to the mayhem of the coronavirus that is happening right now. We are kind of behind on our podcast, so we're recording this episode on Monday. Monday night. It's almost 10 o'clock. Yeah, and it's coming <laughs> out on Wednesday. We're trying to get back ahead. Um, but yeah, the coronavirus pandemic has been a pretty wild journey. And we released an episode on the coronavirus. If you haven't listened to it, it's about, I think, two episodes ago on uh, God's sovereignty over the coronavirus. And I think it's still applicable and uh, will help you that are maybe having some fear about those matters. Uh, Another thing I want to talk about is there's lots of churches that haven't been able to gather because of the coronavirus and because of government limitations on size of gatherings. Um, We are creating a resource for those who are interested in gathering in small groups and are in territories that are, that that, that is uh, able and allowed. I know some cities are limiting uh, that uh, down to groups of 10. Um, But what I'm saying is that uh, if you want to learn how to do a biblical house church gathering with a few families from your local church, we are creating those resources. They're available for you at relearnchurch.org forward slash house. And you can get that there. Um, I think that's it. All right. Jumping yeah. in. Yeah, we'll jump in. Yeah. Okay. So um, this week we received a question from a listener and they write down, Veronica, I go to a larger church of about 700 people. I often hear people talking about spiritual gifts and I feel a little ignorant. What are spiritual gifts and how do I know if I have any? Um, so this is a good question. Um, I'd say unless you're a gifted communicator or passionate evangelist, evangelist, it can be difficult to identify your spiritual gift. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, um, it can be just as difficult determining how to use it to serve the church, the body of Christ. Um, So let's start the conversation. Dale, um, can you tell us what are spiritual gifts and what is their purpose in the church? Have you ever taken one of those spiritual gift tests? Not a spiritual gift test. I've taken the strengths finder test like Eight years ago, many years ago, but I know there's like that was a thing for a bit, gifts. right? It's I like, didn't even know there was a spiritual take your gift spiritual gifts task. I, I, again, I just go. Uh, I don't know how reliable they are, but hopefully today you'll be able to. Generally, the Lord reveals it to you, um, either directly or you. through His people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm going to break this down. And then I'm going to add four short additional points that we can use for application. This episode, I think, is actually really important because it actually puts 
in perspective, your role, like you specifically, your role in the church. And so my hope is that this is edifying for you because it actually is talking about you and your role in the church. And um, when you don't understand your role in the church, it can be a little bit, you know, discouraging or just kind of feel like you don't really know how to fit in. You don't know your place. Um, yeah. You want to contribute, but don't know how things like that. Yeah. So, um, so the word, uh, gift in spiritual gifts, when it's talked about in the Bible, the Greek word is charisma. And we now have charisma, you know, that that's the, how we get the charismatic church, right? The charismatic mm-hmm. church is the church that's focusing on the spiritual gifts. And, uh, I think that it's generally a hyper-spiritualized expression of the church. When you think about the charismatic church, um, people are obsessed in this generation. I think we have a a disposition towards the charismatic church in this generation. We like the idea of healing and miracles and prophecies and wonders Mm -hmm. and spiritual powers. Like it's almost like a Harry Potter type thing um, where you're kind of like, we we like that idea that we have this spiritual power. Um, And, you know, I think that the Lord uses some of those, some people to do those things, but you're going to find out that the vast majority of those folks that are pushing that kind of theology, charismatic theology of the spiritual gifts, in my opinion, actually go beyond the bounds of scripture and are trying to manufacture something that's not actually biblical. Um, so we'll talk about that here in a minute, but I want to give you just that heads up. This is what spiritual gifts is, and um, we'll get more direct. Veronica's going to. Yeah. And if you want to hear more about that specific uh, issue. Dale and I actually did an episode um, discussing this in more detail during, uh, and that's going to be in episode number 63. It's titled, Are Modern Day Prophecy in Tongues Biblical? So you can go ahead and go listen yeah, to that. Yeah, we talk about, you, you know, the Bethel movement, the all these other churches that are very big on prophecy and tongues. And our name it and claim it type. Yeah. What does that look like? Gospel. I don't know we talk about that in that episode. Yeah, but that's it episode was a while ago. 63. Um, um, okay, so if you're watching what's happening in the church today, you'll probably notice two extremes. There are uh, the people who ventured beyond the biblical definitions, and they're doing healing conferences and prophet training camps. Um, or they're, then there's the other side, and that's the deeply conservative um, and deny the reality of gifts altogether. Um, So how can we be sober minded about spiritual gifts and find a balance that harmonizes with scripture? Yeah. So I think this is good because we've seen this, like there's the out of the Bethel movement. You see lots of people that have healing rooms. They do the Christian tarot cards I've heard of. There's some other weird things proclamations and stuff like that over things that it just gets a little, we've seen those, those videos of people kind of screaming out of lack of self-control and losing their body and out of body experience. There's that side. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which is very extreme. And again, we got to remember that one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. So any spiritual gift will be, uh, exercised under the fruit of the spirit, which is a self-controlled thing. It might be passionate, but it's not going to be flipping and falling on the ground. Um, The other side, again, is this conservative side where it's like, don't raise your hands in the church while you're worshiping. 
put them in your pockets. You know, like that idea of just, it's really, there's no spiritual gifts. It's just conservative Bible teaching. And really there's no expression of spirituality. Uh, I think A.W. Tozer does a really good job of balancing the two, of having a really big view of God and biblical authority, while also having a really strong uh, perspective of the Spirit. Francis Chan, I think, does a pretty good job of that as well. Um, and so, yeah, let's talk about what that what that looks like. So I want to define spiritual gifts for you. Um, Tom Schreiner wrote a book titled Spiritual Gifts, and he gave a definition. It says, they are gifts of grace granted by the Holy Spirit, which are designed for the edification of the church. John MacArthur defined them as divine enablements for ministry. Uh, another definition I saw was gifts of God enabling the Christian to perform his or her unique service. And I like that because it's your unique service. So again, this is very applicable to you today. You need to determine, based off of a variety of metrics that we'll look at through the scriptures, what your role is in the church, and that that should be revealed to you by understanding these passages. So at the center of the discussion about gifts, we got to realize that gifts are not for our benefit. That's the first thing, is that any type of gift that brings notoriety or fame upon the person that has the gift, um, that's not generally a spiritual gift. Um, if anything, someone should be, a, you know, whoever's the most should become the least, right? It's this idea of being a servant. And if you're a really great teacher, you might have people starting to come and follow you in that capacity, but you need to be very good at deflecting that glory to back the to Lord. God. Yeah, mm-hmm. back to God. And so they're not for our popularity, our profitability, or any self-aggrandizing purpose, um, so you got to be very careful because sometimes these spiritual gifts can easily become an idol. Yeah, the purpose is for glorification of God. Yes, mm-hmm. um, and uh, for building up the church. And so you're glorifying God and you're building up the church. The purpose of a gift is to build up the church. Um, and, and there's a variety of ways to do that as we're going to see today. So in the Bible, there really are three passages that talk specifically about spiritual gifts. You should know where these are because this is what you do when you're a Christian. You kind of know the geography of the Bible. You know that, oh, we want to talk about love. That's 1 Corinthians 13. Like, oh, we want to talk about government. Oh, that's Romans 13. You want to talk about marriage? That's Ephesians 5. Well, you want to talk about spiritual gifts? Well, there's a couple spots. It's Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. But Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 are very like the the kind of pillars of that. So you can kind of remember that. Uh, some people include Ephesians 4, where they talk about the fivefold ministry, but that's, in my understanding and study, that's more talking about the ministries in the church, not necessarily the gifts in those church. There are gifts that operate within those ministries, but uh, it, it's not as specifically a focus on the actual spiritual gifts as we're going to find out here as we read. Hey, Dale Partridge here. We hope this podcast has been a blessing to your walk with God. For those that don't know, Real Christianity is an audio ministry under our nonprofit, relearnchurch.org. I'm telling you this because we're a listener-supported podcast. It takes a small team, a serious amount of equipment, and several hours per week to keep this show going. I share this because Veronica and I want to grow the reach of this show so that it might help even more Christians mature in their understanding of God's Word. 
So if you're a regular listener to this podcast, would you consider supporting us in this ministry effort? We're not asking for much, maybe $10, $20, or $25 per month. I promise you that your support will help us continue to get God's truth out, to strengthen the body of Christ, and to further the gospel. If you feel led to make a donation, simply go to relearnchurch.org forward slash donate. Again, that's relearnchurch.org forward slash donate. Thank you so much for your consideration. Veronica will read uh, the Romans passage first. We'll break it down and have a discussion. Cool. Romans 12, verse 4 through 8, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You made it. Sorry, I stumbled a couple times there. It's hard. I'm like looking, yeah, looking like at it from read, an reading angle. Sideways, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to not lose my place. I mean, you probably even heard some of that definition of Tom Schreiner in that, right? Like mm-hmm. he, he talks about this idea of um, of grace, right? Um, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Mm-hmm. Verse uh, six. Yeah. So the first thing we see is that diversity of gifts accomplishes unity in the body, which is kind of a cool idea. Think about that. Diversity of gifts actually accomplishes unity in the body. The word university means unity within diversity. And that's, uh, that's actually a biblical idea. Yeah, and as Christians, we are members of one body, and being a member, we are actually charged with building up that body, edifying and strengthening that body. We have different roles to strengthen that body, kind of like a stomach or a liver or the intestines have certain roles in the physical body to strengthen and care for the physical body. The spiritual body has these different gifts teaching and generosity and service and you know the the building all these things contribute to the strengthening and caring and building up of the spiritual body and so think of that and that kind of metaphor is what the apostle is talking about there Uh, we also see a command to use them to use these gifts it's something that we we shouldn't withhold our gifts and i've seen so many people withhold that gift, especially in the music gifting, um, which again, uh, I'm not necessarily, the, the Bible doesn't specifically talk about a music gifting, but God's people are singing people. And so I see that a lot is that sometimes people have a music gift. They don't necessarily want to leverage it or use it. Um, I've seen people that have a teaching gift and don't necessarily want to exercise it or use it. Um, and that could be from passivity. It could be from laziness. But the reality is that God commands us to use them and to not withhold them. Now, not to flaunt them and not to push them upon people either. Or to use them carelessly. Or to use them carelessly. Yes. Yeah. So this is kind of um, one of my main frustrations with the institutional expression of church is, you know, the structure actually prevents the use of spiritual gifts in the body. It prevents the exercising of those spiritual gifts in the body. For example, if we have a church and let's just say that there's 400 men in this church, so there's 800 people, 400 men in this church. 
and 35 of them are gifted teachers, like 35 really gifted teachers that know the word of God and they're just gifted teachers. Instead of diversifying into small churches where that gift can be exercised, used under the supervision of elders and practice and edified the body, instead we pile up all in one building and we listen to one person preach over and over again while all these other people don't get a chance to use those gifts. That's the one thing that about a bigger church that you limit the use of spiritual gifts, they call us to just use them in in other ways, but I think that we're called to use these in the church gathering, in the, the meeting, in the building up of the local church. Um, and again, we're hoping that we actually see some of this. I feel like the Lord's doing a unique work here uh, that with this coronavirus thing is we're getting into homes. Homeschooling is becoming forced. Home churching is becoming forced. And so it's a great opportunity for you to get with your your uh, two or three or four or five couples or families and get a chance to exercise those spiritual gifts uh, that you wouldn't have been able to do if you're sitting in uh, a pew. Okay. I'm going to read the next passage. Okay. Um, and then we can dive into that. Um, first Corinthians 12, four through 11. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good for to one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom and to another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by, by the one spirit. To another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Yeah, so this is, again, a really powerful passage of scripture. You can go back and read that again if you want to. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. And again, we, we see that diversity builds up unity. If your gift doesn't bring unity to the church, you got something going wrong there. Your gift is to bring unity to the church and to build up and unify the body. It shouldn't be used to divide the body. That's for sure. Now, another thing I will say is that it's never division when you're bringing people back to the truth. So sometimes people will say that you're being divisive when in reality you're calling people back to scripture. That's not divisive. Um, again, um, so yeah, the next thing I want to point out is that it's God who empowers each single person individually is what it says. Uh, he appoints these gifts as he wills. So he actually appointed every born again believer, their specific unique gift for their specific unique ministry in building up the church. And so we have so many people that are dormant spiritual gifters, right? They're just dormant. They just, they don't have hardly any opportunity to exercise their spiritual gifts because we are in a, again, a church that piles up in crowds and doesn't actually give us opportunities to exercise them. Um, knowing the context of 1 Corinthians 12 and knowing the context of 1 Corinthians as a book, the next chapter is 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter. Mm -hmm. And when you realize that, the purpose of chapter 12 in terms of understanding it, he's talking about spiritual gifts and how, how great these things are and they're building it up. 
And he closes up this passage at the very end, and he says, but let me show you a better way at the end of this chapter. What I think he's hedging against is the overvaluation of certain gifts by certain people over other people in the church. He's saying, basically, I don't care how gifted you are. If you don't love people, it doesn't matter. And so he's he yeah chapter twelve that's talking about gifts and then chapter thirteen's like none of this matters in chapter twelve if you don't love people and so there's a beautiful contrast there um, and they're all important gifts they're all needed for the body and most of all they're appointed by Jesus Christ so whatever gift you have don't let someone just because you're not on the stage preaching doesn't necessarily mean that you're less important. Um, the Lord has appointed a gift for each and every one of us, and they are all valuable. What a beautiful truth that is. Mm-hmm. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 30, we get a similar message, but we also get a few more gifts that are mentioned. So I'm going to mention them just real quick so we can compile a list. And I want to share it with you. Um, we see, um, oh, actually, you know, I'll, I'll just wait and I'll share the whole list for you guys here in a second. Um, Ephesians 4, as I mentioned before, talks about those fivefold ministries. It says uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, that basically in the church we have those five offices, if you will, those five ministries, the fivefold ministries. The idea is that the, the apostles and the prophets are the foundation of the church. I'm going to read you the passage that talks about that, meaning that there are no more capital A apostles and capital P prophets. Um, I, I would be even very careful to call yourself a prophet in the New Testament sense, because I really do believe that a prophet in the New Testament sense is a fourth teller of the truth according to the word of God that has already been revealed, compared to an Old Testament prophet, which is a foreteller of the future according to God's perfect will. And so there's some difference there. But Ephesians 2, 19 through 20 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And so when this passage in Ephesians 4 comes up a few chapters later, when it says the ministries, the apostles and prophets, I think of those two offices as closed. They are no longer, there are no more apostles. There are no more prophets. They're built on that foundation. And what you have left are evangelists, which are those who are called to proclaim the gospel and to do so uh, intelligibly and persuasively and with conviction. And so that you've met those people that are really passionate evangelists. They can't stop talking about Jesus and it's awesome. Um, and then the, the other group is pastors and teachers which are, these are the people that are called to instruct the church in righteousness and train them and lead them according to the word of God. Um, there's no new revelation coming. Think about this. Even the apostles aren't giving new revelation when they're writing. They're just explaining the revelation that's already been revealed in the gospel. Hmm. Paul's not bringing in anything new that isn't revealed by Christ He's bringing explanation to what has already been revealed. Um, And so out of these three passages, we roughly have uh, 15 spiritual gifts. Veronica has all 15. I'm kidding. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, there's 15 of them. I'm going to mention them real quick again. Uh, I talked about prophecy. 
my interpretation of that. I think a prophecy is more of a spontaneous message from God delivered through a human being that is meant to instruct, encourage, and warn God's people. I think it comes uh, as a random, unpredictable, by, led by the Holy Spirit moment. There's definitely been times where at church where you say something. We have an every member functioning body so people can speak and exercise those gifts. I've seen moments where I go, man, that was a prophetic word that aligns with the word of God. Mm-hmm. So we have prophecy, service, and helps. Okay, are you, are you a, a servant? We have a gentleman who edits our podcast. His name's Jackson. He is a servant. He has a gift of service. He loves helping. Um, teaching, exhortation, and encouragement. Do you encourage people? Um, Daniel Sprando, he's a, in our church. He's an encourager. Uh, generosity. We have friends who are very generous, and they just give money away like it's just crazy. And uh, that could be your gift. Leadership is one of them that's listed in these. Uh, Mercy, just the ability to forgive and overlook sin and overlook um, offense. That's a really great gift. Um, Wisdom, a word of knowledge, uh, meaning that the Lord might give you some information about certain people that would be edifying to them that you never knew any other way except that the Holy Spirit delivered to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you can't command that. It's not like you're a mind reader, right? It's just something that, that sometimes the Lord channels uh, you. Faith is another spiritual gift, supernatural, just extreme faith. Uh, healing, um, miracles, uh, discernment. We have a friend uh, who is very discerning. And I always call him when I go, Hey, what do you think about this? And he's just good at pulling the truth out of a mess. Um, Charles Spurgeon says, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between almost right and almost wrong, which Mm -hmm. I think is a really good way to say it. There's tongues, interpreting tongues. And there's actually this idea of, um, I forgot to put it on here. So there might be 16 or I might've blended it with another one, but is administration. Um, it could be part of helps, but the idea of being administrative, your organizer, um, you really can put things together. That's another great spiritual gift. Um, here's my takeaway. I think that we each receive one spiritual gift. I think that that spiritual gift is evident to everybody around you. Um, I think my spiritual gift is that I'm a teacher. Uh, I'm, it's evident. But I do believe that the Lord uses these spiritual gifts and channels a variety of them in season, in different ways, um, to manifest other gifts for his purposes and his will. For example, I'm not necessarily the guy that's gifted with service and helps, but I have been used in my ministry to sacrifice and serve other people and felt called to that in that moment and did it in a great way that seemed like the Lord was leading me through it. So I think that I've been used in that way. I think that I've given a prophetic word that aligns with scripture that is timely I'm not necessarily going to say that my gift is prophecy. I think I'm a teacher. 
Um, I've seen Veronica use a variety of these gifts over her ministry. Um, and so I think the Lord channels them, but I think there's one that comes to the top for you and you get to go, okay, um, what is that gift? First Peter four ten through 11 says, as each one has received a gift, use it, not them, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God means like the truth of the Lord. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that supplies, uh, that God supplies. And why? It says, in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. So I'm going to close with four little points. And then we're going to wrap it up. Hey, Dale Partridge here. I recently heard a disturbing statistic. Only 11% of Christians have read the entire Bible. Now, we can't wonder why the church is being influenced by the culture more than the culture is being influenced by the church. The vast majority of Christians don't know God's word because they've never read it. We cannot live out what we do not understand. So Veronica and I want to challenge you right now to read the Bible in one year. We've put together a basic 365-day reading plan that'll take you no longer than 20 minutes per day, and you can download it for free at relearnchurch.org forward slash Bible. Again, that's relearnchurch.org forward slash Bible. What are your thoughts? What do you think about when you think about spiritual gifts? Um, and just be real, because I think there's a lot of people that align with. Uh, the first thing I think about are just my experiences um, of being around that. I, When I first became a Christian, I'd say the church I came from was kind of pretty charismatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've seen spiritual gifts used properly. According to scriptures, and I've seen them be abused and not be used properly. Yeah, like the um, so that's generally of, that's like the first thing that I think of, at least the forcing of you need to speak in tongues so that you can be saved. Mm-hmm. You know that stuff happens to so many people. Yeah, it happened to me. Yeah, and talk about throw you in a corner and make you cry kind of moments. Exactly, what happened to me. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not in a corner, but yeah. So yeah, um, that was if that's happened to you, experience. we apologize. That's not. A biblical idea. So four things to close with. Don't confuse spiritual giftedness with spiritual maturity. There are some gifted teachers. I'm talking gifted, but they don't know the Bible much at all. They're very baby Christians, but they're just, you take with a guy that's got the top Ted talk and you, you know, he comes to the Lord. That guy's got a gift and a skill. And, um, you know, we see this often is just confusing those two things. The Corinthian church, it says was not, uh, refused any gift. Like they had all the gifts. The Corinthian church was also a spiritual mess. It was just filled with the grossest stuff morally out there but it's a gifted church. And so 
we got to not confuse spiritual giftedness with spiritual maturity. Just because they got a great ability to teach doesn't mean what they're saying is actually true. The another point number two is let other people identify your spiritual gifts. You might even want to ask them, hey, over the next, you might have known me for, you know, if you know me for a year, you know, can, can you make an evaluation? I'm trying to identify my spiritual gift. Can you look through these passages of scripture and let me know what you see in me? And if you start to get a theme, uh, I think that's a really great way to make a observation about what that, if, if you're struggling to determine what that is. Because so many people don't get a chance to exercise their gifts that they don't know. Um, and then number three is gifts are given, not learned. Okay? This is why Veronica's experience of you got to learn how to speak in tongues becomes a really damaging experience. Um, mm-hmm. They're not learned. They're given. They're gifts. <laughs> like, I feel like it's, it's stupid that we have to explain this, but they're gifts. They're not learned. If you could learn them all, then why they wouldn't be gifts. Uh, but Acts, uh, verse, or Acts chapter 8 says, it's talking about Simon the magician. I don't know if you remember that story. 18 through 22. I'll read it to you real quick. It says, now when Simon saw that the spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money saying, give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. Okay, take that situation, and now tell me why it's different between Simon paying for the apostolic gifting and laying on of hands and giving the Holy Spirit, and someone paying to come to a school to learn supernatural ministry. Okay? Tell me what the difference is between that. Now, I'm not saying that everybody's heart is in the same posture as Simon's heart. Mm -hmm. But we do need to be very, very, very careful that we're not trying to go learn how to prophesy or learn how to um, do miracles of healings, like as if if we could learn them. In a commentary on this passage, I found a theologian that said, it was wrong then, this is a commentary on Acts 8, it was wrong then and it still is to selfishly seek any spiritual gift when we've been told that spiritual gifts are sovereignly chosen and distributed by the Holy Spirit. It is especially wrong to crave a gift we don't have out of self-serving and prideful motives. Now, is there anything wrong with a genuine heart that you want to teach and and you you have a desire because you want to edify the body and to sit before the Lord and go, Lord, I would love to be used as a servant to teach. I have a desire for it. Would you bless me with this gift? And praying for that, praying for it. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a different heart posture than wanting to go gain a something so that you might be known. There was that episode uh, in American Gospel, the gentleman that 
was he was saying he wanted to be like Todd White. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, he basically he wanted to heal people. He wanted to heal people. He exposed himself in repentance, saying, "Hey, I just want to admit that that was my heart. I was doing." And there's lots of people that do that, and it's wrong. And we need to make sure that people know that there's nothing wrong though with seeking a gift for genuine edification. So we just got to balance those two truths out. So I want to leave you with, uh, with this. If you're a Christian, you've been given a spiritual gift. You have a purpose in the church. And that gift is one of those 15 to 16 gifts listed. I think I remember literally doing this before that there are like 16. Um, it's not for your benefit, but for the benefit of the church, your, your gift is not special and it should not lead to overvaluing your gift over another person's gift. Um, and you're called to use your gift, not withhold it. But again, you should be exercising that gift in love and with a proper reverent heart before the Lord. Um, so again, I want your perspective. What are you thinking? I just think back to when, um, earlier on in my faith journey and just trying to understand and grasp the gift or, you know, spiritual gifts concept and, um, coming from a charismatic church and then not going there and, um, not ever really understanding what my gift was. And yeah, that one time where there, I was told I wasn't saved unless I spoke in tongues. And so I'm crying because like, I love God and I want to honor God and I want to speak in tongues, but I can't. And so I'm like, am I not saved? Am I not a Christian? And, Mm. um, just a lot of different experiences. Um, and it just, um, I just want to encourage you if you're kind of in that same boat, just to be praying about it, ask the Lord to reveal it to you. Um, not to be anxious about it, not to stress out about it too much. And it's okay Um, to take time to figure it out. Yeah, totally. And, um, and yeah, I like what you said is just, you know, ask maybe a few friends who are maybe a little bit more spiritually mature than you, um, who know the word, who have evaluated you in your life over time, um, in your Christian walk to be able to maybe call some of those things out in you that maybe you don't necessarily see. Um, cause there have been times where someone has called certain things out in me saying that I have, they think they see certain things of these spiritual gifts within me. And I was like, Hmm, I don't see that. Yeah. Um, and then over time later I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. guess that makes sense. Yeah. And there was, you know, my, my thought on Veronica's gifts is she's administrative and, and organized. Veronica's like best life ever would be to sit and organize our house for the weekend. Like she would love for me to take the kids and her organize the house for three days, like every drawer, every element. But she, she, that in, in, in service to the church, she l- would love to organize those things. We, we have three kids right now, little kids. It kind of prevents. Yeah. If I, if I wasn't in the season of life that I am in, um, and I believe that I'm obviously there for a reason for this season and I'm okay with that. Um, but had I had more time on my hands, I would love to go serve other people in our church, um, more than I'm able to. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So this wraps up another episode of Real Christianity. Guys, if you're a regular listener to the show, would you consider leaving a review? Uh, Just go to iTunes, just tap the stars. That's all you need to do. Um, And if you write something, I will read it. Uh, Veronica and I are very encouraged by what you write. And so thank you guys for leaving those comments. Uh, We do get a chance to look at them. Uh, Last thing, reminder is if you're interested in learning more about House Church, go to relearnchurch.org forward slash house. And uh, we got some stuff going on there that is 
coming up real quick about the coronavirus and how to gather in small groups safely uh, and how to do it in a way that is honoring and to the government and um, and just a way that you can get together with a few families and do it in a biblical manner. So thanks for joining us and we will see you guys next week. See ya. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Real Christianity. Real Christianity is an audio ministry of relearnchurch.org. If you'd like more information on how to live out a biblical life, relearnchurch.org hosts a variety of articles, podcasts, sermons, and videos to support your journey. Real Christianity is a 100% listener-supported ministry, and if you'd like to support our efforts, simply click the Donate tab at relearnchurch.org. You can also connect with both Veronica and I on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for daily lessons and Bible teachings. Thank you for being with us today. We hope to see you next Wednesday for another episode of Real Christianity.